We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. What we are very proud of now is that we penetrate the cabinets. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. We've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Monday, the 31st day of October, the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams. Bruce, how are you today? Happy Halloween. Healthy and alive as usual. Uh, happy Halloween. Uh, I, honestly, it does not feel like it should already be Halloween. Uh, this year has flown by. It has. Are you ready for all the trick-or-treaters tonight? Yep. The lights are out. Man, got, uh, no candy. No, nothing. no candy. No. You know what I used to do? I used to hand out dryer lint to the little things that would bang on my door. Yeah, how you doing? Here you go. Thanks for coming by. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, okay. They were great uh, fire starters. We, uh, well, yeah, that's true. Honestly, my family's never celebrated Halloween. I've only ever dressed up for Halloween once, and it was for a, a, a different event that wasn't even Halloween related. It was one of the church events that are done as a like a fall I don't know, festival or whatever the hell they call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So it, my church, it give you an alternative. Yeah, yeah. My church did a... Uh, actually, my church did a haunted house. Uh, they, they actually did one of those. The church I went to, it was um, it was one of those... At the time, it was considered like one of those mega churches. As in mm -hmm. two services on Sunday morning, two services on Sunday evening, because they had so many people that the auditorium couldn't hold that many, uh, or the sanctuary couldn't hold that many, so they had to have that. Uh, it was on television mm -hmm. and and all that stuff. The youth group had like we had our own wing, as in like we had our own place. And I know the, the um, yeah yeah, and the like they had schools, they had offices. I mean, it was a twenty four seven business that they had going mm -hmm. on there. So yep. they did a uh, they did a big Halloween thing. They took the wing that the youth group had. It was three floors, and they converted the entire thing into. A haunted house for everybody. You didn't even have to be a member of the church. Everybody who wanted to come could be there and they would run groups through, you know, for a couple of uh, like uh, I think it was like six or seven hours. All the youth staff, like the coordinators and uh, the pastor and everybody on his team would all put it together for uh, for all the kids. And everybody loved it. I mean, we had. That's I remember we cool, had yeah. thousands of uh, of kids there, and man, yeah. it was a lot of fun. It was really a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, uh, local outreach. That's one of the one of the things there, and having a little fun event. That's a way to open a door. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, because the family does, we've never celebrated. We don't usually buy candy for the kids and whatnot. Because well, especially this year, screw that. It, it can't have you seen the prices of what candy is this year? It's not cheap. No, it's not cheap. And I, I actually, well, I don't buy the stuff. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Bruce, I actually look forward to Saturdays, quite frankly, a couple of days ago. I look forward to it because I get to have, a, <laughs> this is going to sound funny. I allow myself to have a dip of ice cream on Saturday. Like that's my, you got to have a splurge day. Yeah. That's my, uh, you do have one. Yeah. That, that's my, uh, that's my treat to myself. That's all I get all week. I'm trying to think of what I do for desserts. And I'm actually, I do have a dessert and it's kind of, 
not a dessert. <laughs> I got some really good protein bars that are oh, yes. actually really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, you were telling me about uh, those. And it's a shame I can't yeah. get I, I can get my hands on them here, the exact ones, but we can't say what brand, but um I can get my hands yeah. on them, but it's like it's like a hundred bucks for a box of them. I'm not paying that. Yeah. Because you have not, to pay like the import yeah, taxes and the that. value added taxes. Yeah. Ridiculous. You know, it's yeah. a twenty dollar box. It's about like I I, I'd pay 25 or even I might even go as high as 30 on a box of like, a, and when I say a box, I'm talking about a case of like 25 or 30. I would pay mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 25 or, or $30 for a case of, of protein bars. I would, especially that, that particular uh, protein bar. I, would. I think they come in boxes of 18 and cost about $24 roughly in that range. I'd so it's that. like a dollar yeah, something I'd, per bar. Yeah, it's, I'd it's pay that. reasonable. That, that is yeah. reasonable. And I'd pay that really because, good. yeah, it, because if you buy... If you buy the ones at the you know the health stores or the supermarket or whatever, and you're going to pay like two ninety nine or or three fifty or whatever for one of those, and it tastes like a damn doormat. So yeah, these ones these ones are really good, real chocolate, all that fancy stuff. So anyway, all that to say, uh, I much prefer having like real fruits and whatnot, you know, instead of doing the candies and you, know, you get some like. Fruit. I have dried fruit. That's my yeah. Like that's my sweet stuff. Well, like I had some after dinner. I, if you want to classify that as as candy, I mean that's. But that's what I had some dried well, pineapple yeah. and some dried apples. Uh, that, that, I mean that's close. But I like the. Uh, I, I like to take grapes. You get some really good grapes and and toss them into the freezer and have a little. Uh, the, the, they don't get solid frozen. They're they're kind of uh-huh. more of like a, a hard slushy frozen. You can yeah, buy it yeah. into them real easy. Yeah, you told Those me to actually, do that watermelon. That's really good. Yeah, watermelon's good that way too. Yeah, so it's good. anyway, yeah, so I will up. be doing. Yeah, I will be doing that uh, when those things come back in season. Here, they're out of season already, so I have to wait till next year. But who knows? <laughs> who knows? Next year, I mean, we might be eating frozen crickets, right? We might be eating frozen yeah, uh, cockroaches. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Frozen worms, slugs, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Anyway, did you hear about Nancy Pelosi's husband? I did. I haven't seen any pictures. I haven't seen any reports, uh, like doctors' reports, to see what kind of injuries he sustained so i'm i'm left going i don't know maybe well but, bruce uh, you'd be happy to know i've got some i got some photos of the scene here uh there's some crack shot people that are on this investigation already as you can see here the man with the flannel he's yeah. he's on it he is he is yeah. on it yeah yeah i'm sure they are uh you know honestly with as many false flag operations that have been going on and a man in flannel has uh Three letters on his coat there that um, uh-huh. lead me to question the validity of this report. Uh, what three and for letters? Those that the the <laughs> listener that's FBI. Yeah, <laughs> they are on the case. Uh, the House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband was violently assaulted early on Friday morning at his residence, according to the Speaker's office. Motivation for the attack is still under investigation, but the intruder asked, where is Nancy during the break-in and sought to restrain him while waiting for Nancy. That was according to CNN. They were the first to break the story, you see, because, I mean, why why wouldn't you break it on CNN? Why, Why wouldn't you do that? Her husband, Paul Pelosi, 82 years old, has been taken to the hospital for medical treatment. Nancy Pelosi was not near the residence at the time of the attack. Yeah, like I said, um, the article says that the dude, the assailant, tried to restrain. Now, keep in mind, I'm not for this this kind of thing, right? So if this is true, uh, I I hope this guy is caught and there is justice, which I think they did catch him, or they at least have a suspect. There should be justice. Uh, but again, knowing FBI's involvement, we've not seen any kind of photographs of the damages he sustained 
or doctor's reports or any of those kind of things. This is only coming out of a political wings, um, you know, uh, no, I, I, I just I have difficulty believing the validity of it. President Joe Biden made a phone call to Speaker Pelosi immediately upon hearing this to offer his support after the assault and was pleased that Mr. Pelosi is expected to recover. That's according to White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre. Well, I, I agree with the sentiment, actually. Of course. I, I do hope he of recovers. Yeah. I do, too. Yeah. Well, you see, Bruce, he, but see, he, he was he's a victim. He's a victim now, you see. He was uh, drunk driving his Porsche uh, a couple of months ago, and he was found um, well guilty by the court of public opinion, which, and quite frankly, I'm, I'm inclined to think that that's probably the only legitimate court that we're dealing with nowadays, of doing business deals with the Chinese Communist Party directly. Now he's a victim. Yeah. Other political leaders, such as... Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. He's also voiced his disgust over the attack. I'm quoting here. Horrified and disgusted by the reports that Paul Pelosi was assaulted in his and Speaker Pelosi's home last night. Grateful to hear that Paul is on the track to make full recovery and that law enforcement, including our stellar Capitol Police, are on the case. Is that the same Capitol Police that lied under oath on the January 6th committee testimony? Uh, same one. Same and the one. same ones that murdered an unarmed veteran protester. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Same, same Capitol Police. Same Capitol Police. Um, yeah. That, how's that for stellar Capitol Police? <laughs> anyway, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I do agree with the sentiment. Uh, of course, I don't want to see anybody hurt. So absolutely. I hope that if this is indeed all a legitimate set of circumstances, that the gentleman makes a full and healthy recovery. I do legitimately mean that. But as yeah. far as everything else, all parties involved... And I'm not talking about the uh, the scumbag that they caught. All parties involved, I want all them investigated too for their possible involvement. Agreed. I'm curious. Was uh, if this was a real attack? I'm curious. Uh, was this dude on the FBI's watch list? And if so, when was it that he was removed from their watch list? It's a good question. Also, was Almost. he was he at the Capitol on January 6th? I mean, that's another question yeah. you have to ask, right? That's <laughs> uh, a good question. Actually, it it. Honestly, it does warrant that because they were uh, it instigators, uh, agitators that were there causing problems. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah, it certainly does. OK, uh, we we talked about Fetterman and Oz, the debate last week. Charlie Schumer, Chuck Schumer, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, was caught on a hot mic speaking to Biden on the airport tarmac. And he says, listen, that Fetterman debate that didn't hurt us too bad. Bruce, do you think it hurt him too bad? I, I'm not going to play the audio because it's like all garbled and everything else. So I'm not, I'm not even going to bother <sighs> to try with it because it's just going to sound horrible and it's going to be painful for the listener to try and, and hear that. Did the debate really hurt them that bad? Uh, if you look at the exit polling after the debate, uh, yes, it did hurt them pretty bad. But did it really hurt them that bad? Because Oz is a Democrat himself. I mean, he, he he's a rhino. I think it did hurt him. But... It may not see this could be this hot mic incident might actually be staged again. God, it, the, the level of distrust I have for my government and, and questioning whether something is real or not real, because one of the one of the problems that they need to kind of build a narrative for is the mail in ballots at Pennsylvania. They need to they need yeah. to make the case that, oh, no, no, this was all this was all within polling uh margins of error this all it fits this yeah um uh fetterman did actually win yeah 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 that that's that's the case mm -hmm. 
Good night, everybody. <laughs> yeah, good night, everybody. <laughs> good night, yeah. everybody. That's what it'll be. Fetterman wins. Good yeah. night, everybody. Um, yeah. No, I, I hear you. It's it, it's this uh, this mail-in voting thing, and that's kind of where I was going with it. Biden and Harris say that because of the debate, they are now going to take on campaigning for Fetterman. You know, just as well as I do, Biden and Harris, just by themselves, you see the kind of crowds they pull in. They pull in masses of people, don't they? They pull in masses of people at the, the yeah, public speaking all, events all that the they time. Give. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. the time. So I mean, um, if you're if you're going to take over the campaign for Fetterman, I mean, that's in in the uh, in the Keystone state. To be fair, Biden is actually an improvement over Fetterman uh, because you look at the Fetterman has uh, moments of clarity and like he does really well at speaking. But those are only moments. And just like Biden, it seems like Biden, though. God, man, that's that's a tough one. Which one's worse? Yeah. And then when you throw Kamala in there, she just runs in circles. Yeah, that's 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 tough. I don't know what I don't, it, it, it's like the school buses. It's like the school bus. Uh, yeah, that was uh, oof. that whole thing actually annoys me that because was, we should painful. be improving. Yeah, that was painful. Uh, school buses. The, it was the clip. It, it was. Yeah, yeah, that's painful. All right. Listen to this. Your leadership mayor. Thank you for the warm welcome. So here's the thing. Who doesn't love a yellow school bus, right? Can you raise your hand if you love a yellow school bus, right? Just, there's something about the, and and most of us, many of us went to school on the yellow school bus, right? And it's part of, it's part of our, our experience growing up. It's part of, a, you know, a nostalgia and a memory of. The school bus, you see. Yep. Who, who quite, remembers um, riding the yellow school bus? Raise your hand. Yeah, um, the problem I have with the yellow school bus thing, uh, other than the fact that that speech was horrible, other than that fact, the problem I have with that is look at the other um, private sector industries like Greyhound and, and some of the other ones uh, that, that produce the tour buses that, uh, you, you, you know, you, you see like um, um, musicians, comedians, those types that go around in. Well, you have to be a well-to-do comedian if you're going around in one of those. But anyway, they're nice compared to what a school bus is. You want to explain to me why the school buses are stuck still in the 1970s and everything else is innovating when it comes to buses? Well, you see, Bruce, what the problem is, is the the buses run on diesel. That's the problem. Kamala Harris in that speech. Yeah. Yeah. Kamala Harris in that speech. That's what she was talking about. You know, she was praising the the yellow school bus, you know, like you're a five-year-old. And she says today, I'm quoting here. She says today, 95% of our school buses are fueled by diesel fuel, which contributes to very serious conditions that are about health and the ability to learn. I don't see how that affects your ability to learn. The fact that we're using diesel in the school buses, other than the fact it's, you know, fairly cheap. Diesel, diesel school buses have been around since I remember seeing them first started seeing them in in the 90s, in the early 90s. That's when I first started to see them, at least where I was when I was a kid. And I'm talking about school buses. I'm not talking about like uh, Greyhound buses or, or tour buses or anything like that. I'm talking about school buses. I didn't start seeing them where I was when I was a kid until about the early 90s. And I don't recall that ever affecting anyone's ability to learn. Uh, <laughs> here you go. The school bus yellow, at least the yellow itself, uh-huh. started in 1939. Okay. And more or less the buses 
today, the ones we see, they have had a little bit of improvement. They were a bit, uh, uh, the, the front end of them were a bit sharper when I went to school and they're more rounded now. But I, I want to know why we haven't innovated those better than they are today and, and improved them, especially when it comes to kids. These are, this is supposed to be transporting the future, if you will. And uh, I, I would imagine this would be the tank on wheels, uh, if you will, to ensure their safety. Um, and more or less, uh, the, when I went to school, at least, I don't know if it's changed in the last, uh, well, it's been, what, 15, 17 years, whatever. Um, I don't know if they've added seat belts, nicer seats, you know, those kind of things. Uh, hell, I remember the best seat in the house was the very last one, the, the, the back one, you know, the one that was smaller uh on the the back right yep. side if you're walking yep. towards the back yep there was a, a specific spot in town that was on our bus route that when you hit that bump if you bounced in your seat just at the right time you could touch the ceiling you could touch the ceiling yeah yeah i remember that <laughs> and the uh the other place that would be the best place to, to sit because i used to um used to do sports and stuff like that and we would always have like meets or competitions or something like that or, or games <laughs> that were away years. So exactly, exactly. You show up at like uh, at like five thirty in the morning because you've got a, a four hour bus ride to get up to the other part of the state, right? And you have to um, drag yourself out of bed. You get down there. Your parents drop you off, and I've got like the blanket and a pillow <laughs> and everything else because it's like five in the morning. And I get on the bus because it was cold outside. You know, Ohio, it's cold, and I. <laughs> I get on the bus and it's really warm, right? The bus driver, he was he was able to to get up and, and get the bus and, and get it ready at like three in the morning. And so he had it warm for us. And it was a it was a mad dash to get back there and to get the two seats, right? You, you had the, you know, of course yep. in the aisle. You got the two seats and you could lay across <laughs> with the heater. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And I could go back to sleep. So yeah. Yeah, I know those. Yeah. When I played basketball, that was the same thing. Uh yeah. it's that it, you find that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah early in the mornings. Anyway, there's your nostalgia, Kamala. Uh, anyway, so That's, back yeah. to the, um, yeah, back. And I don't, I didn't care what color the damn school bus was. All right. I didn't care what it was. And I don't think any other kid cares either. That's just the color we make them. Idiot. Election integrity. We did talk about uh, Fetterman and everything. So these two, these two jokers are going to take over his, uh, his campaign. Pennsylvania, specifically in that state, would you believe that they sent out over 250,000 ballots to voters that were not able to be verified with their identification or their address. <laughs> you know, it's incredible how these things just happen. Oh, and I heard this morning that people are already seeing, because we have early voting now, people are already seeing the ballot boxes and they're they're looking at the ballot boxes and they're coming in pre-stuffed. And the auditors are looking at that saying, why are these pre-stuffed? And they open them up and they find out that every single ballot in there already is for Fetterman. This is a problem. This is this is nothing my argument about here. the midterms. Yeah, exactly. Nothing to see here. This this is my argument with the midterms. Nothing has changed. We're going to be dealing with the same exact thing. Nothing has changed. We haven't gotten rid of the voting machines. We haven't gotten rid of mail in voting. We haven't gotten rid of early voting. How in the hell did that even become a thing? Early voting. I'm trying to figure out where that even started. That just popped up magically. And I don't even know where in the world that came from. Absentee balloting. Well, they They always try and confuse that with mail-in voting. Oh, we've been doing mail-in voting for, for decades. No, we haven't. No. They try to confuse that with absentee balloting. Absentee balloting is completely different. That is, you're a registered voter. You have to request 
a ballot from your board of elections, not the other way around. They don't just drop off 15 at your address and say, here you go, drop them off at your local ballot drop box. They don't do that with absentee ballots. You request a ballot, they send it to you, you get one, one ballot. That's all you get. And if something goes wrong with that ballot, you spill your coffee on it or the dog ate it or something, they're not going to send you another one. So that is not mail-in voting. That is absentee balloting. We've been doing that for decades. That is nothing new. But the problem is, is that the people that do absentee voting usually vote conservative because we're outside of the country and we can see what horrible social policies cause when you implement them at a domestic level. So, yeah, they don't like absentee balloting. They, they don't like that at all. They would prefer to have just the mail-in voting, which is they'll just drop off, oh, I don't know, 250,000 ballots somewhere and say, here you go. Turn those in whenever you feel at like it. Four o'clock in the morning when everybody went home. Yes. You know, poll watchers. Yeah. 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 Kind of like they did in Georgia yeah. where everybody went home and then they pulled out the four suitcases from underneath the tables and <laughs> ran them through the machines. Yeah. Or kicked everybody out in Michigan. And put the cardboard yeah. up on the windows. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to walk over you there, but uh, I had a few points about mail-in voting and, and absentee balloting that I just had to make because that's how people like me vote. No, you're, you're fine. And honestly, are we surprised? As you said, none of this was solved. No, we we had no. Ah, this is this is something that the Republican Party failed on miserably. Uh, instead of uh, going at the very real legal uh, problems with this, it wasn't the legislature that did any of these things. It, it was the executive branch in all these states. Instead of going after them for that, they did some other kind of whatever the hell they were saying. The the, the whole. Uh, trying to get uh, Trump in or or whatever. The the argument wasn't about that. It was about, it should have been about uh, secure elections. So because we didn't do that, there's still five or six states, uh, the same states that were a problem last time, or the same states are going to be a problem this time because they did nothing to solve any of those problems. So yeah, this is, it's going to be, at the end of the day though, at the end of the day, I really do hope they, they cheat. I do. And I hope it's more blatant than it was last time. I hope it's so bad that even CNN or or any of the MSNBC or any of them, they can't go out there and say, uh, oh, no, this was this was a free and fair election. Even they are going to be like, ooh, something doesn't seem right here. That's how bad I want them to cheat. Because at the end of the day, for Pennsylvania, it doesn't matter, by the way. Either you get somebody that can't formulate a sentence because he had a stroke. No, you know, I, I hate it for him. I feel bad for him. but. You shouldn't be on the campaign trail or you're going to get uh, Oz, who is a rhino. I understand your concern. I genuinely do understand your concern. I sympathize with your concern, Bruce. Can you tell I'm being very sympathetic? I really mm -hmm. do. I yeah. sympathize with your concern. And you know what? So much so that there are other people that sympathize with you as well. We sent out the 250,000 in the state of Pennsylvania. That might be a little bit of a problem. But you see, there's an even bigger problem. And the bigger problem is on a national scale. We've sent out a total of 10 million mail-in ballots across the U.S. already. 250,000 of those are just in one state that we've been able to surmise. 10 million people have already cast their vote 
there's an election monitoring project, uh, which is managed by the University of Florida professor Michael McDonald, and it tracks early voting activity among states that have reported data. States like Texas, California, Florida, Georgia have reported already that they have 1.5 million in-person plus mail-in votes as of October 27th. More than a dozen states have already opened early voting. Again, where did this come from? When did this start? For the 2022 midterms. Real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Another thing, it just yeah. it just dawned on me. The other thing uh-huh. about early voting, the other issue that you have with, with early early voting. Let's look at the Pennsylvania race and with Fetterman. If you did early voting before they did the debate, if you're a classical Democrat that's still voting Democrat, which why the hell are you? Uh, I, I don't think you are. But anyway, if you're still voting Democrat, uh, do you regret your vote now? Do you regret your early vote after seeing Fetterman in that debate? Can't change your vote now. That's a good question. You know, if you're a straight ticket voter, then if you just fill in the bubble at the top, then everything in that ballot goes one way. See, I've never I've never understood people that do that. I mean, I've always been a split ticket voter. But again, that's me because I vote for somebody based on what they stand for and not what letter they have next to their name. I, I really don't care. I want to know what policy well, at this point. At this point. Yeah, it's a little different at this point. If you've got an R yeah. or a D next to your name or an I next to your name, I don't want to vote for any of you, quite frankly. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's sure really so sad. Not voting for a Democrat. No, no, that's really sad. That is really sad. I never thought in my lifetime that I would ever say anything like that. That's really sad. Georgia already has over one million cast votes in the election. Is Stacey Abrams is she running again? Is she the next governor? Or, or well, she she used to be the next governor. Is she the next governor this time? Eh. Or is it just Herschel uh, Walker? Well, see and- those. Uh, it's just Herschel and uh, yeah, but. Uh, all those million were actually write-ins for Stacey Abrams. Oh, right. <laughs> sure. You know, I don't think she even needs to run, to be fair. I think she's more, if you're if you're one of these Democrat strategists, I think she's more effective out of office, to be fair. Yep. I, I do believe that. They from made their her standpoint. more effective out of yeah, office. From, from yeah, from their standpoint, not, I mean, obviously mm-hmm. not from, from our political standpoint, but from right, their standpoint, right. she is she's more effective outside of that that office. So I don't know why you would run her. But anyhow, uh, you got anything else on the election stuff? I mean, I'm sure we're going to be discussing that in the next uh, the rest of this week or whatever. We're going to be talking about the results. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be just awful. Yeah, not um, not anything else uh, here. Yeah, Okay. When we talked on Friday, we were discussing the loss of Facebook, as in the amount of loss that they've taken on their share price. It's gotten a little bit worse than that. Zuckerberg himself, as you mentioned, he lost $11 billion just the other day. Yes, that's true. But over the last 12 months, you were not incorrect in your initial statement. He's lost $100 billion in the last 13 months. According to Bloomberg Billionaires Index, he's, he's lost that much. But the question is, is what has happened to Facebook? Well, let's go back to when it all began. Let's go back a year ago. Jim Cramer on CNBC, big financial guy on the network, one of their biggest stars. He's out there all the time, right? A year ago, he said, Facebook, solid, rock solid. Buy as much as you can. Facebook has lost over 30% in the last 72 hours. And that's not even a footnote anywhere on any newspaper. You can't find it anywhere. They've reported the loss after the closing bell. Amazon lost almost 25% yesterday. And they didn't announce that until after the closing bell. Google lost 10%. They didn't announce that a few days ago until after the closing bell. Tech's getting hammered. What happened with Facebook? A year ago, $9.5 billion. 
Nine and a half billion dollar stock. Now, less than a billion. Jim Cramer's excuse? Let's hear it. Free cash flow. Last year, 9.5 billion. Now, less than 1 billion. Yeah, let me say this about this. I made a mistake here. I was wrong. I trusted this management team. That was ill-advised. Hubris here is extraordinary. And I apologize. Okay. Um, what did you get wrong? Bruce, what do you think he got wrong? Well, he said it. He trusted Facebook's management team. So he's passing the buck off. <laughs> he trusted the management yeah. team. The hubris here is extraordinary. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. You see, you underestimated one little thing, and I, I don't know if they continued on mentioning that in that conversation. Something rather important. What did Zuckerberg announce one year ago? The company was going to change. We're going to be referred to as Meta. Okay. First of all, terrible, terrible name. That's problem number one. Awful name. Who in the hell does this joker have working in his PR department? I'm not a public relations person, but I know better than to rename a company to that. That's not catchy or popular or trendy at all. That doesn't appeal to anybody, except for maybe some IT people or some gamers. That's about it. I don't even think it appeals to I, them. Not really. But I mean, that's kind of like a buzzword with them, as in like, you know, you, you do something strong, you got a great... Um, uh, well, you got a great product yeah, or something, meta, then that's going to yeah, be like the, the top tier. Yeah, yeah it's going to be like the yeah. top tier of something. So I, I get it. I get the lingo. But that doesn't apply to everybody. That, that kind of myopic view, that kind of monolithic presentation there, that doesn't appeal to people. That was the first mistake. The second mistake, this crap about this metaverse. What is this? This is insane. You're going to uh, put this, just so I understand, you're going to put this clunky 1990s thing on your head. And you're going to walk around in a world that you don't even create. You're going to buy property in there with something that doesn't exist. And it's going to be a safe space. Um, no, no, I, I don't think so. I'm not going to go and buy a house somewhere in some ritzy neighborhood in some world that doesn't exist. That's ridiculous. I saw that as a failure from the start. And I'm not talking about a, a financial side of things. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. That part is inevitable. But I saw it as a failure of an intellectual property. Forget the financial side of things. That goes without saying. But a failure as an idea. People don't want something like that. Yes, that appeals to some niche group of people. Of course. Evidence of this should have come when VR launched initially. It appeals to a niche group of people. It's not a giant uh, transition that everybody's going to make and everybody's going to love because it's not real. If you want to make something appeal to people, and again, I'm not a marketing genius or anything like that. If you want to make something that appeals to people, then it cannot be an alteration of absolutely everything that they know. You're trying to create a world that is a living hell in reality, and so you run to that. That's what Klaus Schwab and his ilk want to do. They want to make this, this reality that we live in so ugly and so horrible that you go somewhere else into some world, some fantasy world that they create and they build. If you want to sell this to people, then it's got to be based on something that they already know. It has to be mixed. Augmented reality might 
work. This idea that Samsung's got, and I don't mean like the full on uh, whatever with this metaverse crap. I'm not talking about that. That's ridiculous. This idea that Samsung's working on with the heads up display and like contact lenses, or the idea that even Google had with their Google Glass thing or Apple Glasses or whatever, where you've got notifications that pop up in front of you. I can actually see that being a thing. I'm not talking about like some brain implant thing that, that Musk is doing. I'm talking about something you can actually take off and detox from. But I can well, see you those. Won't be allowed, you won't be allowed to detox anymore. You've seen the the uh, story here fairly recently about the, the company that's looking to use satellites for advertising. Come again? So they're going to, yeah, they have satellites with reflector dishes on there. And they will use that to create essentially pixel art to advertise. So you'll see Coca-Cola okay. or a Pepsi or okay. whatever All right. advertisements so, in the sky. So I'm going to see something that's uh, that's um, reminiscent of Minecraft in my in my sky as I'm taking a walk outside. Is that what you're saying? So, well, sort of. The it'll, it'll look like it's a TV screen, though. They'll, they'll be able to do that and have color and everything as well. Um, but it'll look more like it's a hologram essentially the the renders i've seen of what their plans are uh so even if uh vr or or augmented reality ar doesn't take off it doesn't matter you're not going to be able, uh, allowed to detox uh and get away from technology it's going to be in the night sky well that is at least if, as long as these companies stay solvent because right now facebook is headed to the road of its solvency you mentioned today that because Musk has taken over Twitter, the advertisers are threatening, oh, well, we're going to leave. Okay. Based on what we're watching with Facebook, I say, go ahead. Go ahead. And the only reason I say that is because I'm betting that a lot of them are the same advertisers because the companies have had similar behavior. And I'm assuming, I'm just assuming, that a goodly percentage, if not all of those advertisers on Twitter are ESG compliant companies. If you go woke, you will go broke. Do you understand? It's it's also important to point out when you look at the demographics of Facebook and who uses Facebook, it's not the uh, no offense to the older generation, young and trendy uh, that are using Facebook. It's the older generations that are using it more commonly. Uh, as such, you, you, you have to continue gearing it towards them. Those that are more drawn in by virtual reality. Now, this isn't this is a generalized uh, thing. This is, you know, obviously there's, there's exceptions to this. It's the younger generations that are more interested in VR. Honestly, I'm interested in the concept of it and, and the idea of it. The, it. It's just the matter of, of properly executing it. Anyway, all that to say, they didn't have good marketing and they weren't able to sell it to the older generations. And because of that, you can't shift to this augmented reality or even virtual reality on a on a, a a base that is not really interested in it. it 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 just it didn't make any sense and the other thing that i i failed to see is how are they going to make that profitable and the in the as a stakeholder as, as a, a shareholder you know uh, how am i going to make profits on my investments when you're you're providing uh, data services, processing power, all of that, you know, you're, you're having these server farms run these VR worlds. What's it cost the people to get in there? Where's the money? Where's the revenue coming from? How am I going to get any benefit from this? I can understand as an advertiser, you could have your advertisements in these worlds and in Facebook and all of that. So you, you, you have that, you know, uh, the, the eyes and ears, if you will, the, the audience. But that's what the currency of social media is. 
It's about content creators. It's about the people that's actually writing posts or making videos or what what have you and posting it on there. They're the ones that push the platform forward. So I, I honestly, I'm I'm more in tune with uh, what Musk is trying to do and opening it up and allowing more content to be created than uh, Facebook's uh, trying to to nudge you into. Uh, the great reset thing that you're not going to succeed at that. Uh, we we don't have a system yet uh, to where uh, it's social credit, and and, and until that happens, uh, Facebook, your your decision to go meta and do virtual reality is not going to work. You, you can't force people into it. No, and especially with the kinds of employees you got. I mean, we're finally starting to get a look at some of these employees of some of these companies, namely the ones that Musk is just, he's kicking them out. Just get your stuff and get out, right? It's, it's, it's not even, uh, look, you know, we're going to bring you in, we're going to evaluate you. No, just get a box and get out, right? That's That's enough. I heard a statistic I haven't looked into it further to know whether it's true or not, but they have something like eight times uh, the staff of competitors. So Twitter has way more staff than any of the competitors. So it it stands to reason that, yeah, you would kick out a bunch of those. And honestly, a lot of the what the moderators were doing, you can you can have a, a an algorithm do that. I mean, if you're, for example... Uh, this is this is a trend, especially in video game uh, in the video game industry. If there's any kind of chat between uh, other people online, they have a profanity filter. So if there's certain words that are deemed, uh, you know, like racial slurs, as an example, you can have an algorithm that will purge those kind of uh, tweets. You don't need a person to go in. You could have a person go in and review them after the after the fact, especially if it's disputed. But um, uh, past that, you don't really need any moderation unless it's something breaking the law. Musk has said that they're going to form, well, excuse me, Twitter's going, yeah, Musk says that they're going to form a content moderation council. He says no major content decisions or account reinstatements will happen before that council convenes. Yeah, I, I mean, depends on who you put on the council, number one. And it also depends if you're you're, it also depends if it's permanent, because it sounds like it sounds to me like he's just going to form this group to examine the high profile people that were kicked off and then get rid of it. That's what I would do anyway. Yeah. From what he said in the past, if he sticks to what he said, he said that there will be no permanent bans unless you're a bot. If it's like some bot or something, then they'll perma ban it. But for people, it's not going to be a permanent ban unless it's something really egregious. And in which case, you know, I'm I'm guessing it has to be like child porn or something like that. Which now even that, uh, because of the trends of society, uh, that that I shouldn't say trends of society, the trends that the uh, left activists are trying to push us into, even that's going to be a non-issue in five years. If we continue on track, let's take a look at a day in the life of a Twitter employee, shall we? Gee, I wonder, would you hire this person? Or if you were Elon Musk and you took over this company, right? Just put yourself in his shoes for just a moment when you hear this and ask yourself, would you keep this person on as an employee? Would you be keeping the same type of amenities that go on in this type of company? And this isn't the only one. Google does this. Microsoft does this, Apple does this, Facebook does this. Oh yeah, yeah, take a listen to this. 
Welcome to a day in my life as a Twitter employee. So this past week went to SF for the first time at a Twitter office, badged in. Honestly, took a moment to just soak everything in. What a blessing. Also started my morning off with an iced matcha from the perch. Then I had a meeting, so quickly scheduled one of these little pod rooms, which were so cool. They're literally noise canceling. Took my meeting, got ready for bunch. Look how delicious this food looks. Oh my goodness. I was so overwhelmed. Then made my way down to this log cabin area. I don't know what this is, but it was really cool. Played some foosball with my friends to kind of unwind a bit. Um, also found this really cool meditation room that I thought was super neat. Um, I didn't do any yoga, but they have this yoga room if you are a yogi, so also thought that was really cool. Um, had a couple more meetings in the afternoon, had a ton of projects that we needed to knock out. Say hi to my teammates. Um, <laughs> went to the went to the library to kind of get some more work done. Obviously had to have our afternoon coffee, so made some espresso. And then before leaving for the day, had some red wine um, that's on tap went up to the rooftop and just honestly enjoyed the beautiful weather so awesome trip is she going to an office or a spa this is ridiculous yeah yeah uh, there to be fair there is an element of there's been research done lately that a shorter work week so four four days instead of five and uh, having these kind of amenities increases productivity okay all right um, Gr- granted granted but uh Bruce, we're, we're walking into the office. Okay, let's just take her her typical day. We're walking into the office. We're stopping at the cafe that's in there. One of the, the four cafes that I could tell. Stopping at the cafe. We're getting our iced uh, chai soy latte, whatever the hell it was that she got. I don't know right? it was. Yeah. She gets that. She schedules a meeting in a pod, in a soundproof pod because it's relaxing. She goes to a meditation room. She goes down for lunch, where it looks like she gets pheasant served under glass. I mean, the food did look really good. And then yep. she says she goes to play foosball to unwind. What the hell have you done? What the hell have you done that you need to unwind from? I gotta okay. So if if I'm a uh, if I'm a code monkey or something like that, uh, you know, I've been working at this code for four hours, five hours straight. Okay, I need to take a break, and I go and hit up those pod or something or go to the med- meditation or something like that would be actually that would be beneficial as a code monkey to, to step away from it for a few minutes there are elements of like if you're being actually productive and working i could say okay yeah i mean those amenities as long as you're meeting your quotas i'm okay with those kind of amenities but again if you're going to have those kind of amenities i'm going to be heavily scrutinizing you you're going to have to be putting forth a lot of productivity to get those kind of amenities. And my opinion as a, you know, um, as a business owner, I would, I would, that's how my stance would be. Red wine on tap. Really? That no, Uh, the red wine on tap. No, no drinking at work. Sorry. You can do that on your off hours. That one I, I I don't agree with, and even the espresso machine, I'm kind of like, hmm, no. That's, well, that's I mean, bit, okay, all right, all right, all right. I, I'm going to yield on that one. The only reason I say that, okay, the only reason I say that is because in 
every European office, you've got a coffee machine or that office is going to get closed down by the government because you don't have coffee for your employees. I'm being a little sarcastic there, but every European yeah. office has a coffee machine so, coffee, or a coffee okay. bar Espresso. or a coffee bar. Yeah. Or a coffee bar. I'm coffee. Co yeah, I, I agree. But you all you need is a coffee pot. You don't need a freaking espresso machine that nobody's going to clean. You are you. OK, I have because the European listeners, they're going to say, my God, you better correct him. It's a classic mistake that we Americans make. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's espresso, not ex espresso. No, no. OK, well, <laughs> I, whatever. I, uh, I made that. Yeah, I know. Whatever. I said the same thing when I came here and people are like. I'm going to smack you if you keep saying it like that. <laughs> you, you know, you know, to, to our European listeners, I am that smug American that will continue to say it improperly <laughs> just to annoy you. <laughs> so don't, yeah. don't, you know, uh, don't tell me that it, it annoys you because you're probably going to get me to say it even more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hear you. All right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I oh, come on. Like, I, I, first of all, if I'm Musk, 90 percent of those amenities are getting taken out. 90 percent. I understand your concept yeah. of, of like the code monkey thing. Believe me, I get that because I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've sat there behind a screen for like yeah. 16 hours and I'm like, OK, I'm done. Like I'm yeah, I'm beyond done. And I go and I'm like, I'm asleep before my head hits the pillow. So I, I get it. But uh, I mean, especially if you're if you're intertwined in whatever project or whatever assignment you're working on. So, yes, that part I understand. You do need a break. Uh, and those those types of things in an office atmosphere do but give you that reprieve you need. But there is a line. Yes, exactly. That yeah. was the other point I was going to say is there is a line. There is a limit to that. So and uh, I'll, I'll be fair to her as well. I will say I, I would have to see what is your work ethic like? How productive are you? If if this is just like a little one off thing she's doing off hours or right when, you know, as she's coming in right before she's clocking in or hell, I, I don't even mind if she's doing this kind of stuff in her in her 15 minute break or whatever break that is law there. I, I, I don't care. Have have fun. But when you're on the clock and you're working for me, now it's time to be productive. If you're being productive, uh, you're putting in a fair day's fair day's work. You get paid a fair day's wage. And as long as she's doing that and the job that she's doing is important enough to keep, then yeah, I, I would keep her on. But again, uh, like I said, they have eight times the staff that competitors have. So my question is, is that job really important? Facebook is looking at laying off 15,000 or more after this debacle with whatever's going on with uh, with their stock price. A little birdie that's tapped me on the shoulder. I'll just leave it at that. Bruce, that same birdie tapped you on the shoulder, told us over a month ago that big tech was already looking at doing that anyway. So they knew what was coming. They already know what's coming. This is not some surprise. When we saw that Facebook is looking at laying off 15 to 17,000, I looked at Bruce last night and I said, that article should have been out a month ago. They're four weeks behind. Why now? Tech is getting hammered on the New York Stock Exchange. Inflation hit 10.5% here today. And we're about to hit 30, was it 33,000 on the Dow? Does anybody else see a problem with this? Are we just supposed to imagine that Facebook has not lost 30% in the last 72 hours? Are we just supposed to imagine that that's not happening? Are we supposed to imagine that credit, like what happened to Credit Suisse? Does anybody know? 
Credit Suisse has lost over 50% of its value in the last 12 months. Facebook has lost, they, their portfolio has gone from nine, you heard Kramer, it's gone from nine and a half billion to less than a billion now. And we're supposed to pretend like that's not happening. And we're cheering on Wall Street that we've had an 800 point gain today. Does any of this seem right to anybody? They cut 2 million barrels a day in production and the price of oil on the market is is down. D- does that seem right? <laughs> like everything's inverted. N- not, like n- none of this is even possible. N- none of this should be even n- none of this should be happening. So I don't know what to say to people. I I don't like it. people are like, well, my God, what, what's going on? And I'm like, I've placed your bets. I don't, I don't know. I guess we're just waiting for something here because at some point, like there's going to be a trigger and all of this, all of this is going to come unraveled. All of this. You had the head of Allianz Bank say two weeks ago when he was asked on a podcast that, mind you, that's one of the biggest banks in Germany. Like that's an international bank. He was on a podcast being asked, um, what's going on? And he says, well, I'll tell you what's going on. The party's over. Why isn't that being discussed anywhere? Two weeks ago, he says the party's over and we're seeing record gains on the stock market. No, 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 no. Something about this is all wrong. This is all wrong. Every person that I know right now that's a that's a stock market guy, they're out. They're out. They sold. They left. They said, uh-uh, no more of this. So where do we go from here? I don't know. We're in uncharted waters on this one. I honestly, I don't have an answer to give to people. The only thing I can say to people, to be absolutely sure, at least for myself, is I trust the people that I'm listening to, as in the investors, the people that do this, the people that have been doing this for a long time. I trust them. I trust their judgment when they say, you don't want to be anywhere near this thing because they're making these rules up as they go along. The other thing is that they are going to absolutely obliterate this financial system. What that's going to look like, when that's going to happen, I don't know. By all accounts and everything that we're seeing, it should have happened, and it isn't. All I can say is, do your own homework, stay as far away from this monstrosity that they're creating as possible, and be responsible for your own investments that you control. I'm not talking about investing in something else. Uh, You know, I'm not an investment guy. I'm not an investment advisor. I can't give investment advice. I know better. But what I can say is that I have my own investments that I control. And that's the only sure way that you're going to know about anything is that you have to be responsible for what financial decisions you make. And I can tell you for absolute certainty that any decisions that you make involving whatever this is, is the wrong one. Yeah, I I would um, add to if you can get out of debt, uh, I should have done it yesterday. I mean... That, that's kind of my opinion on on how quickly you need to be out of debt right now and uh, be preparing like food, stuff for trade, those kind of things, because uh, this thing could go wrong very quickly. Um, and that's kind of what it feels like is going to happen because they've been lying to us. Uh, it, it doesn't I, it, none of this makes sense. So I would just add that uh, we've kind of talked about it before. There just needs to be a trigger. For everything that's going on, both the political side, the economic side, all of this, there's just, we're looking for a trigger. Uh, not we, but we as in like World Economic Forum. They're just, we're looking for a trigger. So we're watching that because it could be anything, really. We, we don't know. It could be the election. The, the election could happen. There could be riots. And then that could be the scapegoat of um, what, you know, the, the, the trigger to, to cause the collapse, to the crackdown, the... Uh, we don't know. Um, Could be North Korea invading the South. 
Could be North Korea invading the South. Could be China and Taiwan. Could be um, the the continued uh, Russia-Ukraine. It could be the energy crisis. It could be, we could keep going. Well, we also have Russia saying they're going to hit our satellites uh, if we continue. China said the same thing yesterday. Yeah. So there's a lot of things on the table that could go wrong very quickly. Oh, yeah. And also Biden said here um, yesterday, today, that uh, they're taking off the table the okay so you know how we only use nuclear weapons under certain circumstances yeah they're removing all those safeguards and they'll use nuclear weapons period that's funny they actually did the same thing here about a year ago and no one could figure out why yeah yeah that so that could easily be a trigger so there's there's a lot of things that are on the table of uh, as could be a trigger and the the thing is though even if even if we win and things start going right i still think there's going to be an economic collapse because this is just there, there's so much junk and dead weight and uh, the, the, the fraud and everything that's involved. It's going. It, it, there is no other way to fix it other than it's going to collapse. So win there's or lose, we're going to see a collapse. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. There's too much cash in the system. It's like what the uh, the former head of the Bank of England said the other day, and it's exactly that. That's economics 101. When COVID happened, when we had the lockdowns, instead of the businesses being allowed to continue. And instead of the central bank saying, look, um, we've already got too much inflation as it is, so we're, we're not going to exacerbate that. We're not going to put more money into this system because we're going to have business closures. We're going to have people default on loans already. So we can't do that. They've held interest rates at negative for the last decade, for God's sake. They just raised them to what? Like they put them up 2% in, in Europe yesterday. Are you insane? Don't answer that. That's a rhetorical question. But you've got too much cash. They flooded the system with cash. They were printing and printing and printing and printing. And you had business closures. You had lockdowns. You you didn't have any any manufacturing of goods. You didn't have any any services being being pushed through because everything was closed. And you said, oh, don't worry, we're going to bail all of you out like everything was supposed to go back to normal. And it didn't. Instead, we had too much cash chasing too few services and goods. And so we have inflation now. Oh, and that's your fault. BS. It's those damn banks. They're the ones that did it. I'm not talking about your local branch down the street either. I'm talking about their bosses who are their bosses who are their bosses who are their bosses. They go all the way up the chain. That's who gave you the inflation. Instead of doing the responsible thing, they've done what they've always done. You know, I, I, love, I love these people that say, oh man, these central bankers, they are so smart. Well, then why do they keep doing the same stupid shit? over and over and over and over. It's not that difficult to understand how these people do business. War, famine, inflation, rationing. That's the banker's playbook every single time in history. They're doing exactly the same thing again. What is intelligent about that? I do believe it was Albert Einstein who said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. I don't know about you, but this seems to be exactly that. A very good case of that. So yes, history repeats itself. We're guilty, as in we, the populace, but these are supposed to be the overlords. These are supposed to be the people that that write the future. Well, then why are they so damn stupid that they can't learn from their own mistakes in order to keep themselves relevant and ahead of the game? It's just one man's opinion. For those of you who'd like to send us some feedback, please do so anytime by sending us an email at dynamicpodcast.protonmail.com. Also, do you like the podcast you're listening to? We do love having you as a listener, and we would ask you to pass this along to five friends. Do you know someone you're trying to wake up and get them to think on their own? We would appreciate it very much if you would send them our direction. It's been a pleasure, Bruce. Thank you for being here this evening. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a great evening.